Welcome. I'm so glad that you have joined us tonight. We are in the midst of our e-revival, and we have been focusing this week on e-witness, what it means to have a tremendous testimony that we can share what the Lord has been doing in our lives and how we as a church can grow stronger through this pandemic time. Well, tonight we are joined with two very special people, two of the greatest preachers that you'll hear for this generation, and they are both brothers. Pastor Nathaniel Urshan pastors a great church in Durham, North Carolina. And Pastor Joel Urshan pastors a great church in Cincinnati, Ohio. They're both gifted speakers. God has used them in a powerful way to reach this generation. And we are so glad that they have joined us tonight. So we welcome uh, Pastor Nathaniel and Pastor Joel Urshan. Let me just start by asking you, is everybody doing good? The families, the church, is everybody safe and healthy? Everybody's good, man. God's been good to us, and we, we're blessed. Awesome. Awesome. What about you, Pastor Joel? How's everybody in Cincinnati? You know, we're, we're doing good. Our church has, had, uh, has, had, uh, has been blessed, and uh, we've, had a, we've had a couple of cases where the uh, two people connected to the church, extended family of members of our church, have been affected. Uh, but uh, but the church has done well and is healthy and prospering, and uh, and then of course uh, our family is doing quite well. We're grateful for that. Awesome, oh good. I'm glad the kids and families and everybody are doing good. And both of these uh, men have tremendous families and uh, have a tremendous heritage. And I, I want to just start by first of all thanking both of you for all that you do for the kingdom of God and the gospel. But I. I know that we're in a very unique season. This pandemic time has been something that has really stretched us. And in tonight's segment, we call this E-Connect because we really try to take apart the Word of God and apply those principles through a small group format that many in the East Wind Church campus will then go and connect with their small groups after this broadcast, and they'll discuss the different principles that, that we talk about tonight. So let me start with you, Pastor Nathaniel, since you're the older brother. Let me start with you and just ask you, uh, what do you feel like the Lord has been speaking to you about in terms of how uh, we are to grow through this pandemic time? It's a good question. Um, I have found that we have developed tools that without, without this crisis, I don't know that we would have developed them. In, in similar fashion. It's caused us to expedite our reach in terms of uh, streaming, in terms of uh, broadcasting. Our church is growing more comfortable with it. They're teaching online Bible studies. They're praying people through to the Holy Ghost mm. over the phone and online. Wow. Um, we're, we're teaching Bible studies now and uh, in Libya and Liberia and um, we have Kenyans joining the service, and I'm sure that's a similar theme wherever people are broadcasting. Um, entire churches in Jamaica are t tuning in. And so what I'm learning is I think God wanted this to happen all along. Yeah. And it's kind, it's kind of similar. Uh, in the book of Acts, when persecution arose, heavy persecution arose, James lost his life because of it. They took Peter and put him in prison. And the reason is because he told them to preach this and be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, they stayed in Jerusalem. So God brought circumstances that forced them 
into his purpose, even though they were uncomfortable and tragic. I think a very similar thing is happening. And um, I think God is using this to get his gospel out in an unprecedented fashion right now. Absolutely. Pastor Joel, let me ask you that same question. What do you think the Lord is is doing with the church during this season? I, I just, I really echo those sentiments. Um, I think, you know, we've always talked about getting the church beyond the four walls. And, and I, I kind of felt like I knew what that meant. Uh, but this season has really instructed me to know that we are, we're in a position where we are absolutely forced to bring the church beyond the four walls. The, the church itself has been moved beyond four walls. You know, we always had a webcast, a web presence, podcasting, live streaming, things of that nature. But, but the fact of the matter is it was a part of what we did. It was a ministry that we were uh, engaged in. Uh, this has taught us that that has to be a priority. That has to be more than a, an addendum, but it has to be a, an absolute feature. Uh, before we were ministering to the people that were in the sanctuary and kind of welcoming people to watch, join in, you know, be a part in that way. This has taught us that there always was a, a, a constituency of people that were hungry. And uh, like my brother said, around the world, different parts of the world, and, and they've always been there. But this has caused us to really recognize their presence and the importance of the church to, to fulfill the great commission of preaching the gospel to every, every nation. And so we've, we've begun just filling our homes with uh, teaching on a daily basis, devotionals, music teams, been producing worship and children's ministry leaders have been producing lessons and uh, Bible instruction courses. And our youth ministry team and youth, young people themselves have been producing materials on a daily basis um, and, and it's, and it's, it's just, it, it, it goes through the congregation. They're able to share it with their friends. And as a result, we are, we're seeing growth. We're baptizing people and, uh, people are receiving the Holy ghost. And, and so I, I thought I knew what going beyond the four walls meant, but now I'm actually getting to experience it by virtue of this, of this uh, challenge that the church is facing. Wow. That's so rich. You know, uh, we were talking about, this week, uh, really, we were talking about e-witness in terms of just sharing our testimony of how we came to the Lord and different people have been sharing that. And I know that both of you were raised in a pastor's home and uh, both of you come from a strong heritage and a strong legacy. But all of us have to make a decision as young people and even earlier uh, to, to decide that we want to be a Christian and indeed that we uh, want to give our, our heart and our life to the Lord. So let me... Let me start with you, Pastor Nathaniel. What age was it and how was it that you came to the point where you said, you know what, I want to do this for myself. I want to have a personal relationship with God. I think, I think that for me was a little bit of a process. I was heavily influenced, obviously, by um, a great heritage and a legacy in the gospel. I, I, when I was first really stirred to to do something for God beyond just what we were taught by our parents and how we were raised was, uh, I was actually with Joel. We were um, young. I was in my, probably my early to mid teens and Joel was, I don't even know if he was a teenager yet. 
but there was a family uh, nearby, a neighbor, neighboring family that was from another faith. And Joel and I just entered into conversation with the, the boys. They were friends of ours. And we began to witness and talk. It just was just part of it, stuff we'd heard our whole lives. Well, they challenged us. And they were pretty involved in their faith and wound up their parents got involved and their elders of their church got involved. And it turned into Joel and I alone in their house with surrounded by adults preaching the gospel. Wow. And it, it forced us to learn about the oneness of God, all the places they were baptized in Jesus name in the book of Acts. And we were just literally contending for the faith and they wound up getting the Holy Ghost and getting baptized in Jesus' name. And now it is stunning to me because it's almost like Joel and I are now in an electronic arena <laughs> side by side, and we're still swinging the gospel sword together. <laughs> it's just a much bigger scale. Yeah. And, um, that was probably the earliest imprinting of that. And then, you know, you're a teenager, you go through life. And I think when I hit 17 and 18, I really, really just saw things from a, a maturing perspective. And I said, you know what? It's time to just live for God and buckle down and just serve him with everything I've got. I wound up going to Bible college and, um, and, and launching out into ministry from there. So it was, um, we were always heavily impacted by the godly influences that were around us. Pastor Joel, I think you preached uh, uh, for our church here at Eastwind, I think when you were like 16 years old, and, and you were already a, a seasoned minister, and I love the great stories of you as a, as a young boy setting up uh, a little pulpit and uh, preaching uh, in your bedroom and listening to messages from General Conference. And tell us a little bit of how you first came to feel like God had his hand on you. I know it was a very young age, but how the Lord directed you. You, you know, I, it was an interesting thing for me because I, I never, rem never remember a time when I didn't feel called to preach. I wow. just, I really kind of always knew I would preach. And it was this innate awareness that I would preach. And I didn't know, I didn't know a time that that started. And so when I began to preach and people would ask me that the question of when did you, when were you called to preach? I actually didn't have an answer for the longest time. I had to pray about it and, and say, Lord, you know, I know, I feel like you called me. Uh, I feel like you put me here on the earth to preach. So, but when did I get that? When did I, when did that really resonate with me and become a, you know, a, uh, <clears throat> a, a tangible calling that I could wrap my brain around? And, and he answered that question. And it was, it's what my brother mentioned. Uh, Nathaniel and I met the, um, the boys across the street that were our friends and, and they challenged us and we began to, we began to have to contend for the faith. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we were young. Uh, I think I was 10 and he was 13 and, uh, we would actually come together to the kitchen table and say, all right, uh, you take baptism in Jesus name and I'll take uh, the oneness of God. And we'd go away for about 45 minutes and we will, we were praying and pouring over the scriptures and then we'd come back to the kitchen table and we'd discuss what we found. And it was revelatory. We were, we were coming into this knowledge that we, that we knew we were supposed to believe, but didn't know particularly why we believed it. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, we, in fact, in fact, I remember one of those nights uh, that 
my brother mentioned when we were preaching to the adults, it was actually, there were some uh, Mormon missionaries that had come to, that were called in uh, by the family because the boys were becoming apostolic. And we were preaching to the missionaries, the Mormon missionaries, uh, the oneness of God. Wow. That's <laughs> and, awesome. and it was, and we had a good relationship with that family. You know, again, those young men did come to the Lord and, and uh, baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. And from there, for me, I, that's, that's when it clicked for me. And the word went into me and was, and it was that fire shut up in my bones. I had to preach it. I, I asked my Sunday school teachers to let me preach. They did. Children's church leaders, they let me preach. I wasn't any good, but I had to get out what I was feeling and, and, and coming to understand. And so they've got video. Some, my sister actually has video footage of those sermons and, uh, we, we've got them secured in some vault somewhere, never to be seen, but, <laughs> but it wasn't any good, but it was the beginning. And so the next few years, my father allowed me to travel with him and he would preach to the congregation of adults and I would preach to the young people. And, uh, and again, I, I was frustrated because I felt called, I felt anointed, but I couldn't translate that into actual preaching. I was very stage fright. And it was one day that the Lord allowed me to feel the anointing of God in preaching. And it clicked that the same anointing I felt in worship was the anointing I felt in preaching. And so I just, all I did was basically start worship preaching. (laughs) I was just (laughs) praising God in the form of preaching. And so if people would sit there and let me praise God to them, uh, that's what my preaching was and continues to be in my estimation. And, and so my brother and I both, uh, I, feel, I think he and I both preached, I to the children and he to the teenagers in San Diego for Brother Larson in 1992. And, uh, and dad was preaching in the, in the auditorium. And so we started out like that. Then we began tag team preaching. So uh, we traveled around quite a bit doing that. Wow. Hey, so, Pastor David, I, I yeah. got to tell you a story, man. I want to hear it. Okay, so this is this is what I remember of. I remember this vividly. I, I would come to Joel's room, and he would have a conference. He'd have a conference, and he had him. He had a little tape recorder, and he would. He was the MC, and he would say, "We're so happy to." have uh, Sister Vesta Mangan with us today. She's going to be singing and worshiping. And then you hear this click, 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 click. And then this Vesta Mangan voice would come on. And she'd sing a beautiful song from another tape that he had. And then she'd get done. And when it was all done, you could hear the worship and the praise. And then click, click, click. And he'd come back on. Oh, Sister Mangan, thank you so much. That was a wonderful and he was the MC, and I think it was General Conference 2075 or something like that. But he was, <laughs> he was, it was in our hearts from a young age. Wow. You know, for me, I think about that, and I think how God sees that. And when you guys were so young and sees that this was something that was so near and dear to your heart. It's what you aspired to. It's what you treasured and loved. And it seems like, to me, I'm reminded of what old brother uh, George L. Glass said. You know, he asked the Lord whenever he was up in years, Lord, why have you used me to preach camps and conferences and, and to be a vessel? 
And the Lord reminded him that when he was just a young boy, he had gone to the church for a revival service, and the doors were locked. The pastor was out of town, and people were visitors, and they were coming. They couldn't get into the church. And he didn't have a key. He was only about 12 years old. But he promised everyone that he would run to the assistant pastor's house and get the key. And he ran three miles one way to get the key and to run back and to open the door because there were visitors there for revival service. And the Lord told him many years later, he said, when you were 12 years old, I saw you do that and I marked you. Wow. And I have anointed you because of that. Wow. And I get, I get goosebumps just thinking about it because I think about how good the Lord is and how that, that word was on fire. Uh, in, in both of you in your hearts at such a young age. But, you know, talking about that, uh, and Pastor Nathaniel, I'll direct this question to you. What is it that the Word is really burning uh, in your heart during? This is such an unusual time that we're in, and, and both of you pastor dynamic churches. What is it that the Word is really just burning uh, in your heart to, to really uh, awaken us to the moment and the times that we live in? Well, Joel and I were just talking about this, and we talk about this frequently. Uh, oftentimes, conversations just they just turn towards the Word of God, and um, it's almost like that scripture that the Word was in Jeremiah's heart, like a fire shut up in his bones. There'll be some mornings, particularly at holidays and gatherings at Mom's house or wherever we happen to be. It's frequently Mom's house early morning over coffee, and and we'll just start talking like we're talking now, and we'll mention a scripture we've been reading and what God's been dealing with us. And by the time it's over an hour later, we have a little audience around us and the Holy ghost is moving and we're about to break out speaking in tongues there in the, in the living room. But I think that in proportion to the amount of sin that we are seeing, I think God is pouring out grace in greater proportion. Mm. And I think men are receiving revelation. I think they're receiving insight. I think God is showing things to a generation to equip them in the face of unprecedented uh, wickedness and ungodliness. So where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And uh, we talked the other day in particular about the church and the maturation of the church. And a lot of this was in the Song of Solomon. It was a picture of the church in her glory, standing at the casement, looking out. And it, it physically describes her in that glory and and like a man would would describe the beauty of the woman that he loves his beloved and using that terminology in a physical description Mm -hmm. um god was saying this is what i find attractive and and that attraction of god to his people is what a man and a woman that are attracted to one another would be like and and our word for that in the spirit world would be revival when God shows up and he really pours out his spirit and shows his grace. Uh, and, and one of the examples was Song of Solomon 7, where, where the Bible says of, of the bride, the beloved, how beautiful are thy feet and shoes. Mm. It's just this odd little phrasing, like, wow, you know. And people just jump past it. They, they move on and then they chalk it up a, a weird little thing in the Song of Solomon. But the woman is God's covenant people. And the feet and the shoes are a metaphor for the gospel. It's the mobility 
of God's people. And in particular, the shoes, the Bible says that our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Mm-hmm. It says, how beautiful are the feet of them who publish good tidings upon the mountains. And so the mobility of the church, the the preparedness to preach the gospel, which is exactly what we're describing now, even to the point, and when Joel and I haven't even had a chance to talk about this one yet, but there's a place in there where he, he approaches his beloved and she says to her, she says to him, I have taken my shoes off. How shall I put them on? And, and she was going to sleep. Well, man, what a vivid metaphor for the church who's not prepared, whose feet, whose shoes are not on their feet, right. who are not mobile, who are, and she says, how can I, and so she says, how can I put my shoes back on? I'm ready to go to bed. I'm, I'm taking my rest. I'm taking it easy. And he withdrew himself. And so when churches lose that unction and they don't have that zeal, it's because they've taken their shoes off. It's it, in the metaphors of the beloved going to sleep. Well, man, I think we're putting our shoes on. I think we're getting equipped. I think we're preaching this thing. And how beautiful are thy feet in shoes is an example that God is showing us what he finds attractive and what draws him. Wow. Pastor Joel, that's so rich what Pastor Nathaniel was saying and how the church is really that bride and there is that call from the bridegroom that is going forth that is calling us as a church to come closer to him how does that as we go forward from that that vivid picture that's given to us in the song of solomon how in your estimation does that that bride mature uh through the ministry of jesus christ well i you know when we were talking the other day about this it uh it it became clear to us that yes, the book of Song of Solomon is describing this this bride in her youth and in the strength of her youth, and um, and then and then the same writer Solomon continues on in his writings, and of course he gave us one of the most beautiful descriptions uh, of the of a woman, and particularly the virtuous woman in Proverbs thirty one. And so it stands to reason and, and just kind of uh, uh, dawned on us that, that he, he's describing the, the uh, bride in her youth, her uh, strength, her fertility, and uh, that kind of the beginning of, of marriage um, and the, the throes of love and passion. And when you get to Proverbs 31, uh, this same bride takes on a new uh, quality of being seasoned in her in her role and and maturity and uh, and you see statements such as the heart of her husband will safely trust in her mm. uh, her children are clothed with scarlet uh, she riseth while it is yet night her candle goeth not out by night she considereth a field and buyeth it and you begin to see that there is the there is this bride in, in, in her, in the beginning of, of her, of her maturing process, which is the zeal and the, and the revival instincts of the church that, that does produce fruit, produces children. And then you see this same bride mature and season in a way that provides stability to the whole world around her. And, and that is a picture of the church that Solomon paints beautifully in, in the context of Song of Solomon and Proverbs. And, you know, I, I, 
in this process for me, uh, looking at when I first was going to be preaching the first Sunday that we were not going to be able to have service, I was concerned because I thought, man, I, I'm going to be preaching to the camera and Lord, I got to have a word. He gave me a word for that Sunday. It was a, it was a, it was a, a rhema word. And every, every time I had to preach or teach from that point forward in this process, it was a rhema word. And it was centered on comforting the people, mm. comforting the people. Uh, one of the things that the Lord tells us in Isaiah 61, that we are to comfort all that mourn. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach. We're to comfort all that mourn. And so when we're comforting the people, we're doing the work of God and and fulfilling a mandate from the Lord to, to, to do that. It reminds me of a story of our great-grandfather. When he was going to the Middle East, uh, he was going to be uh, he was going to be um, going into the teeth of the persecution of the Christians. And uh, he asked the Lord, he, he really basically decided, I'm going to go as a martyr. And he just, he just was planning on that. But he said, Lord, if you'll give me all nine gifts of the spirit, I need all nine gifts of the spirit mm. to go with me. Yeah. That makes sense. If you're going to go into a massacre, you know, you need, you need to be operating in the gifts of the spirit. And the Lord spoke to him and said, you're praying the wrong prayer. And so he said, well, okay, then I need at least two. Give me two gifts of the spirit. Give me, uh, give me discernment of spirits and give me working of miracles. I figure that if I can discern spirits and then work miracles, I can get through anything. Right. <laughs> and the Lord sounds pretty logical, actually. Yeah. But the Lord again said, you're praying the wrong prayer. And wow. he said, then Lord, what should I pray? And the Lord said, pray for compassion. Wow. He said, because if you have compassion, all gifts of the spirit will flow. And I, I find that to be true in ministry, that when we have compassion on people, that all gifts of the spirit flow and that that is the ministry of Jesus in this hour, particularly compassion on those. I just, I just got a call. I mentioned we had a couple families in our church that have experienced the pain of this virus. Just today, a lady in our church had the funeral of a great aunt. And, and then I learned just before this interview that there was a, uh, the death of, of one of the, uh, a father and a brother, father to a, a gentleman in our church. The man is also a brother to a woman in our church, precious family. And my heart just broke for them, the grief that they're feeling. And so that comforting those who are suffering, those who are losing loved ones, comforting those that are on the front lines, comforting those that are fearful, comforting those that are economically, uh, you know, upended by this, there are powerful gifts of the spirit that flow through that comfort. And it does, in fact, it does mature the church. You know, this is how all men shall know you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. And so the church grows in a season like this. And, uh, and, and I think you see that the picture of the final product of the church in Proverbs 31, if you take everything the scripture says about that virtuous woman, and the Bible said her price is far above rubies. In other words, you can't you can't attain unto her by natural uh, designs. And the only thing the Bible says is above rubies is wisdom. 
And so the wisdom of God purchased the church. Mm. And, and that, that's, that's what God is taking us to. And uh, one of the things that, that my brother and I discussed the other day was that not only do we see a maturation of the bride of Christ, but you see a maturation of the body of Christ. Mm. And of course, that was first exemplified in the actual life and ministry and body of Christ as he walked the earth. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He was a perfect man. He was a spot. And so it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And so we are being perfected in a process like this as both becoming the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. And it's a, uh, it's an amazing process to see it unfold. Uh, but, uh, it's that season, seasoning and maturing, and we have to be open to that. And that does involve the refinement of fire. Wow. That's so rich, so good. Pastor Nathaniel, as Pastor Joel was talking, I was thinking about how that, you know, Eve came from Adam, came from his side. And, of course, Jesus Christ from his side came the blood and the water. And that really brings about, you know, the birth of the church through the new birth experience. Elaborate on that. Is, do you see that as a part of us moving from the natural to the spiritual in that the maturation of the church as the bride of Christ? I absolutely do. Um, I see exactly what you're saying in that, you know, all that are in Adam die. All that are in Eve die, born of the flesh. Right. And so Jesus Christ also is in a garden. He also yields his will and, in effect, dies in that garden and at Calvary. And just like God put Adam to sleep and pulled his bride from his side, he puts Jesus to sleep, the man Christ Jesus, to sleep in death. And from his side comes that new bride. And everybody that is in that second Adam and in that bride, they live. Wow. And and. One of the things that really helped Joel and I growing was our dad taught us some things that we didn't fully realize the the power that he was imparting to us. But one of the things he taught us was uh, etymological thinking, the study of Greek and Latin roots and, and even Hebrew. Not to say we're scholars of those languages, but we knew enough that we could understand what those words meant on a different level than just the dictionary definition. So for instance, two words that <clears throat> my brother just used were compassion and comfort. Um, we're going to operate in a dimension of compassion and we're going to operate in a dimension of comforting people. And I could add to that, there'll be, um, there'll be a commission and he'll give us commandments. Mm-hmm. Well, the, what all the, all, what all that has in common is the prefix C-O-M. Uh, which is sometimes C-O-N and sometimes it's just C-O. And it means, it means with. With. It means we're going to do this with. And so commandment was always meant to be done with God. That's why it's a commandment. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's a comfort because that word fort means strong. And yeah. that C-O on the front of it means we're going to do it together. So literally when the comforter comes, it's together strong. Wow. Um, you could talk about conscience, conscience, which means knowledge with. So there's a conscience that we have that if we'll allow it to lead us, 
God will direct us and, and with him, we will become what we're supposed to be. Um, so Jesus Christ is with us. We're not just doing a mission. We are doing a co-mission. And so one of the things we take from that is you'll never know Jesus like you're supposed to know until you go out and you begin to do his work and he'll show up next to you and he'll fight with you and he'll minister through you. Um, so people who sit back on their couch and watch and critique and they, they, they have a head knowledge, those kind of people will never know him in the co-mission where he shows up and heals people and sets them free because they're active. And so the together dynamic is released in this New Testament administration. So that's the bride and the body working in tandem. And so I, that's what I see in a practical sense from what you're describing about Adam and Eve and Christ in the church. Yeah. And those are some of the gifts dad, my, our father gave us that we've utilized. Joel utilizes it in an amazing fashion. And it just gives us a neat perspective on how to unlock some of those Bible secrets that allow us to move forward today. Yeah. Wow. That's so rich. So good. Pastor Joel, I was just thinking as uh, Pastor Nathaniel was speaking about how that that second birth, that, that new birth, of course, the Lord described it as being born again coming from the side of Jesus Christ, the blood uh, and the water. And, of course, we know we're born of the, the blood and the water, water through baptism, the blood of Calvary, born of the Spirit. But, you know, I was thinking about that, how we receive that life through what Jesus did, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Mm-hmm. And if I take that and I look at it in terms of the context of where we are today, we truly believe that the Lord is calling the church to come to a place of closer relationship with him through this season that we're in. And yet, if, if a person has not been saved and they're, they're listening now or they're tuning in to where they never had before, uh, maybe they're going online and watching services, maybe they're exploring the possibility of expanding their, their faith in God, what would you say to those non-believers that may not be a part of the bride yet, but there is this calling and this drawing that is taking place even for the unchurched. You know, I I would go back to what my brother mentioned about commandments. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's one of the fun things about what happens when he and I start discussing the word, you know, we bounce it back and forth. But that word command it, it means it, the, the, the root of the word is M-A-N-D. It has to do with mandate, mandatory, um, and, and it involves requirement mm. and uh, something that is absolutely necessary. So when God gives us 10 commandments, he's giving us 10 things that are absolutely necessary. But they are commands, which means they are necessary with, mm. necessary together. Uh, they're not ten demands. To demand something is is to remove yourself from the equation of what is required. Gotcha. So if I demand something of someone, I'm demanding it of them, but I'm not requiring it of myself. But when I command somebody, that has more moral authority associated with it, a command, as opposed to a demand, because I'm including myself I'm not asking something of them I don't require of myself. That's why we have a commander leading troops into battle, not a demander. The commander's doing it because he's with them in the requirement of of battle. 
when God gave us 10 commandments, he gave us 10 requirements that he keeps along with us. And particularly, he keeps them in the life of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus Christ comes into the earth, he keeps everything that's required of us. And he's not, some, he's not asking us to do something he hasn't done himself. He didn't commit adultery. He didn't bear false witness against his neighbor. He had no other gods before him. He did not steal or kill. And so he kept the law. And then he says to us, this is required of you, but you're not on your own in doing it. I am with you and I shall ever be with you. Lo, I am with you to the end of the earth. And so when somebody's being drawn, what is it that they're being drawn to? And what is it they're being drawn by? They're being drawn to that togetherness with God in Christ Jesus. You and I, the three of us, we can't go to heaven. There's nothing in us that qualifies us for heaven. As far as us personally, we've missed the opportunity to go to heaven. Our only hope of going to heaven is found in Jesus Christ. There is only one that has ever lived who is qualified to ascend into the hill of the Lord. So when the question is asked in the Old Testament, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? That's, that's an answer, a question that demands an answer. Right. And there is an answer. And the answer is he that hath clean hands and a pure heart. All the talk lately of washing of hands through this pandemic, it's time to wash our hands. But but we don't have the power to clean our hands. Our hands are filthy with sin. And that goes for all of us. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's only one who has ever lived, whose hands are clean, whose heart is pure, and whose life is spotless, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So for people who are feeling compelled and drawn, we say to them, your only hope is in Jesus Christ. And we understand how to be in Jesus Christ. The answer is given to us in the great message of Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the answer that admits someone into the bride and body of Jesus Christ and allows them to step into this, when we, the, the body of Christ, for instance, the reason his body is so important is because it is the life he lived in that body. Mm. So when the Bible says in him was life and the life was the light of men, it's that life, that right. 33 and a half years, that spotless life, that's the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness can't, can't comprehend it. When the Bible speaks of life, it's not some abstract concept or energy. It is a literal 33 and a half years of life lived by the man, Christ Jesus. And when you're baptized into him, you're baptized into that life. That's the life that has power over death. That's the life that has power over hell. And if you'll be in baptized into that life, mm. then, you, then you walk into the glory and the majesty afforded him, not because of your goodness, but because of his goodness. Wow. So I can good. I can add something to that. Absolutely. Um, he's talking about being baptized into Christ. And that's a theme that it, it's the gospel. It's Acts 2.38. But for people that 
are, are reading their Bible and wanting to know how these themes work, the Old Testament shows this very vividly. The same way we talk about Song of Solomon 7 and Proverbs 31, the Bible stories preach Christ, and they yeah. show how this is practically played out. Yeah. Um, for instance, to, to teach the incarnation, um, it teaches that the older brother Adam sinned and lost his place. So Jesus Christ came robed in flesh to redeem us and to restore us. Well, the Old Testament story of Jacob and Esau vividly illustrates this when Jacob literally puts on Esau's clothes yeah. and he he puts on the goat skin. He puts on Esau's clothing. He, he does everything just like Esau to go to the father to be to redeem and to receive the inheritance and the younger brother takes the inheritance of the older brother and that's the essence of the elder shall serve the younger that romans teaches and so as jesus christ took on esau's clothing to go to the father that's what uh as jacob did that with esau that's what jesus christ does with adam and so if you can get that idea then you can then understand putting on christ so when you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says as many of us have, as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Wow. So there's that Old Testament story. It's it's so simple. It's it's vividly it's a, it's a vivid metaphor, and and sometimes PhDs miss it, and common people get it. This thing was written for fishermen and tax collectors wow. and simple people. Yeah. And the metaphors are strong, man, and, and it's a it's a powerful yeah. message. Wow. And in fact, when Jacob, Jacob understanding that power of right. having put on the garment would explain the reason why he created a coat of many colors for his own son, Joseph, so that he could, so he could also put on a covering uh, wow. on his own son. And, you know, going back to the life of Christ, the actual literal life of Christ, you know, the Bible, we, we sometimes talk about lifestyle. And, but the Bible doesn't use the word lifestyle. It uses the word life. And so it says, I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. And, and it, it speaks concerning, I am the resurrection and the life. It's very specific, the life. And, and it has to do, it's not a lifestyle. Lifestyle infers that we're going to try to be like Christ. But life is more specific. It's not his lifestyle. It's his life itself. And when you're placed into him, his life covers you and, and you thrive in the context of the life he has already lived. And then he allows you to live that same life through empowerment, not through fleshly efforts of WWJD, what would Jesus do, but through spiritual empowerment to, to do what Jesus has already done. Wow, that's so good. I was thinking, as both of you were speaking about how, you know, Jacob, because of his desire, because of his hunger, he moved into that role of the eldest son because he had this desire and he received the birthright, not because he was entitled to it, but because of his, his pursuit and his desire. And, of course, as we look uh, into the New Testament, we see, all those examples, like Paul said, I was one that was born out of due season. And we read in Romans where he said, I'll call them my people, which were not my people. So through yeah. the message of the New Testament church and through the message of the Gospels and the life, the ministry, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, all of us that necessarily did not have an inheritance, we are grafted in 
as Roman says, as that wild olive branch. Mm. And, and we're able to move into that role of birthright and heritage. So to me, wow. it's just such a beautiful picture that no one is excluded from this. The, the, yeah. the Lord made it possible for all of us to be able yeah. to come into a relationship with him. Well, I know we could talk uh, all night long. And, and I just want to ask uh, both of you a question uh, as we sort of come to a close here tonight. And that is simply this. You know, we've heard a lot of new uh, terms given throughout the course of this pandemic. We've heard about, you know, social distancing, and we've heard about flattening the curve, and we've been hearing recently about gating, you know, getting in a position, and uh, we've heard about the new normal. So I want to ask both of you this question. We'll start with Pastor Nathaniel. What do you see for the church is going to be the new normal going forward? That is probably the question that's on everybody's minds right now. And obviously, as the church, we're entering into uncharted waters. Um, people have taken for granted that they could just congregate. Some people have thought, well, I can always go back to church when I want to. One thing I think that's going to come out of this is a renewed appreciation for a body of, the body of believers to be able to congregate. Um, there are nations and eras in history where we weren't allowed to do that, where humans weren't allowed to do that. It was forbidden. It was illegal. And it's so um, ubiquitous here and uh, accessible. It has been in the last several decades that people just almost have taken it for granted. Well, I think you're going to see a renewed appreciation for that. Um, I also think that streaming ministry is going to become more and more prevalent. I think that we can teach Bible studies that way. I think we can go into regimes and countries where you physically couldn't go without perhaps dying or being in prison. Um, I have received reports of people preaching in militant areas where they couldn't go, but underground churches can stream the service and literally people just receive the Holy Ghost from a, a, a message being preached there. What, what an amazing opportunity. Yeah. to do that. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I also think that you're going to see um, Christians harness the power of the internet to, to blog, to podcast, mm -hmm. to, to just blaze the message out there. I think this is a big megaphone. This is a big trumpet that is going yeah. to give a, a cry. Um, and, and scriptures resonate to me here. You know, uh, scriptures like that, which was spoken in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. Mm -hmm. um, man, it's time it's time to do that. Let's shout this. Let's let's cry out. Let's lift up our voice electronically. That's just one more tool in our arsenal. Amen. Pastor Joel. Uh, yeah, I I agree with with all of that, and uh, I think that um, I think that this there is going to be a new normal. The thing that um, has occurred to me in all of this is, you know, the Jews expected Jesus to overthrow Rome while he lived here. Even though he explained to them, my kingdom doesn't operate the way you're expecting my kingdom to operate. Right. And specifically, he said, my kingdom is within you. And that is the way the kingdom operates. It's, it's within us and it's within the church. And I mentioned earlier that this has been an opportunity for the church to move beyond the four walls. Uh, but I think that the kingdom is actually going to move beyond the four walls of, of being within us. 
and that the kingdom of heaven is going, that is within us, right. is moving beyond even us. It's not going to be closed, or as Jesus better stated, uh, it's not going to have a bushel placed over it. it it's, it's coming out from us. You know, I thought the other day, God forbid we would ever go back to thinking that all oh, this world will think my message is crazy because it sounds apocalyptic. This woke the whole world up to wow. the apocalyptic realities that that there is a kingdom that's crumbling and it's the kingdoms of this world. I feel like the the stone that that struck the feet of the statue as is, is growing and that it's going to fill the whole earth and it's going to start by, by emerging from within the believer, the, the, the child of God who's filled with the spirit and baptized in his name. It's going to grow from within them and it's going to move beyond them and fill the whole earth with the glory of God. And so this is a time of not a time for retreat. It's a time for revival. And uh, I think that at first it felt, you know, we, you know, there, there, there were several earthquakes the same week that everything shut down. There right. were like big earthquakes and in unusual places. There were a, a couple in California, which you might, you know, be perhaps expecting more, but there were more than usual right. in California that Idaho, Utah, uh, one of the earthquakes actually shook the trumpet out of the angel Moroni's hand on the Mormon temple. Wow. And uh, it was there were several things that made me think, man, Jesus is going back today. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening right, right now. Right. And so I think that I think that the church in that period, I think they came to terms with the reality that hey, he is coming back. That's not just a Bible story in the future, and 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 they moved past the uneasiness about the rapture of the church, and are now aware. Hey, wait a minute. I, I'm I'm on the right side of this thing. Mm. I don't have anything to fear. I don't have anything to hold back for. I, I, I need to be preaching this. People are hungry for it. I pray that's the new normal, that a holy boldness grips the church yes. like it did in the book of Acts and shakes our world. I believe it will, and I believe it is happening, and I, and I, I pray we never go back to business as usual. Pastor Joel, will you just... Uh... Pray over us and just pray that that will be a part of it. We're just going to kind of wrap this up tonight with prayer. And I'm just going to ask you to just pray for all of us, those of you that are watching by Internet. I want to just ask that Pastor Joel would pray over all of us. We're getting ready to uh, get into our small groups after this and discuss some of the things that have been taught. But I want us to just go forward with a covering of God's presence in his spirit. Pastor Joel, would you lead us in prayer? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you have kept us, mm. that you've watched over us, that we've been able to turn to you in these times of distress. Just as your word promised, your name is a strong tower. We can run into it and be safe. Just as your word has promised us that you're a very present help in trouble. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to embolden and empower your people, the church yes. of the living God. Cause us, I pray, to stand firm upon the truth of the word. Yes. Let the love of God be without dissimulation. And let it be shed abroad in our yes. hearts by the Holy Ghost. Let it operate through every word and deed Thank and you. gesture. I pray, God, that you will help us and strengthen us to yeah. turn this world right side up 
yes. and be that minister of reconciliation yes. with the word of reconciliation in our mouth. Ambassadors for Christ. God, you, God, in Christ, reconciling the world unto yourself, let us be a part of that body, that work, that mission. We give you praise for it, Lord. I thank you for your goodness in this time of great trouble. We honor you and praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Wow, such a strong presence of God. I can't thank both of you enough. Thank you for all that you do for the kingdom of God. Thank you for your kindness and friendship. Thanks for taking time out to be with us tonight. And uh, I just pray that all of you that are watching, that you'll just continue to allow this word to resonate in your heart and mind. Not just be a hearer of the word, but to be a doer of the word also. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you in Jesus' name. Hey everyone, what an amazing e-connect that we just had. And now we are asking that everybody takes time for themselves and applies this word through discussion. Just as we have made it very important and stressed the importance of us applying the word through prayer. And of course, we still want you to do that. We are now asking that everyone takes time with your family. If you don't have your family with you, maybe call a friend, call somebody in the church, text somebody, and let's all apply this word now through discussion. In just a few moments, there's going to be some questions pop up on the screen. And those questions are exactly what we want you to, to discuss about tonight's session. And we are looking forward to hearing all of the great reports about our eConnect. Lord bless.